0: Hi, I'm Dan and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at LifechurchUtah.com. So we are so glad that you're here. And it is April's Fool's Day and and so I will just say, if anybody tries to do something that seems a little out of whack or strange to you, be careful. They, they may be pulling one on you, you know. Um, I, I will tell you that I'm kind of a gullible guy. I've been fooled a few times. How many of you had some April Fool's jo- jokes pulled on? You're embarrassed about it now, you know. Um, and, and, and the reason I'm kind of a gullible person, the reason that, that happens is because, basically, I'm kind of a trusting person. I I have all my life kind of believed that what people said to me was probably the truth, and I believed them. Now, if you're that kind of person, you can can get fooled very easily because you tend to believe what people are saying to you. Now, as I've gotten older, I will tell you, I don't believe as much as I used to because I've learned. But I, I will say this, not everything you hear is the truth. And you need to be careful what you believe because you can get taken, if you think, and it can cost you a lot, especially financially. Um, I was reading, you know, that uh, in, the, in the world of social media and Internet and everything, there are some crazy things that are presented on there as being true, right? And, and they're not. Some of you maybe didn't know that. Not everything on the Internet is true. So you, you may want to be cautious about that. For example, I read about uh, a few years ago, that somebody came up with the idea and they started promoting it on the internet that you could actually charge your iPod with an onion. How many of you heard that? Well, you're more discerning. Uh, you, could, you could stick your, your iPod in or an iPhone in today's world and charge your, your iPod with an onion. Now, it, the truth is you also had to have a glass of Gatorade to pull this off and I'm not sure what the Gatorade did to make it all happen and everything. But, you know, thousands and thousands of people believed that. And they put their iPod, their iPhone, in, a, in an onion, expecting it to charge up. But it didn't work. Of course, it was a hoax. Of course, the Loch Ness Monster would rank right up there as being one of the great hoax of all time. And that one doesn't die. It just keeps resurfacing over and over again, doesn't it? Then I read about this guy in England who told people um, that he found the corpse of a fairy. That's right. He found the corpse of a fairy and he took a picture of it and he posted it on eBay and put it up for sale. And it looked so realistic. I, I, I saw the picture of it. It looked so realistic until we found out that he was an artist in clay and he had actually made this thing, but he did such a good job. It looked so realistic. Now, I don't know if anybody was foolish enough to actually buy that thing off of eBay But what I do know is that he admitted to it being a hoax, and yet even after he admitted it was a hoax, he had people writing to him, emailing him, saying, you better get it back in its grave, or you're going to bear the consequences. You're going to pay the consequences for this. Now here's one hoax that I wish was true. Some of you will know this one. It was the hoax that billionaire Bill Gates was giving money away. Any of you ever hear about that one? Yeah, all you have to do is send in your information. He'd be happy to send you some money. Wow. And I feel like he figured he could afford it. So, sure, this is probably a real one, but it 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 wasn't, and I've never gotten a penny from him. I'm still waiting. I keep writing, writing, why haven't I heard from you? You know? Where are you, Bill? There are a lot of people who want to fool you from time to time in life for various reasons, for fun, or maybe for financial gain, whatever it might be, but I want to tell you about one thing that I know to be true that is no April Fool's joke. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do I know that Jesus is alive? Say, so how can you possibly know? I'm going to tell you how I know. It's by all the people that have accepted him into their life and the transformation that has happened in their lives. He has made everything new to them. The change, the healing, the transformation that has happened to them because Jesus is alive. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about people who joined a church. I'm talking about people who made Christ, Savior, and Lord of their lives. If the resurrection teaches us anything, It teaches us that God is able to take the worst of circumstances and turn them around into the greatest of miracles. And that's just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago when he rose from the dead. I cannot imagine in my mind how devastated the disciples must have been when they saw their Savior hanging on that cross breathing his last not only did those disciples love him passionately but they believed in him as the promised messiah as a political messiah as one who would free them from their oppression i say political messiah because the early disciples did not fully understand that Jesus had come to free them spiritually. They were not looking for a spiritual deliverer. They were looking for a political deliverer, someone who would free them from Roman rule and oppression, and then to have the one they believed in hanging on a cross, beaten to within an inch of his life, in front of their eyes, dying, I can't imagine how devastated they would have been in their spirits. Can you imagine how they would have felt that day? It would have seemed to them as though everything that they had believed, everything they had banked on, everything they had trusted uh, their, their, their future to was nothing more than a big hoax. was nothing more than some kind of joke. But if God is anything... He is the master at turning impossible situations into incredible miracles for good. The Gospel of Matthew tells us what happened that day. Early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to the tomb. They were going out as was custom to anoint Jesus' dead body with perfume and with spices. That was a Jewish custom of the day. Suddenly, verse 2, there was a great earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone, and he sat on it. Now I want you to know, he didn't roll the stone aside so Jesus could get out. Jesus was already gone. When he rolled that stone away, those, the peering eyes of those two ladies looked into an empty tomb because Jesus had already been risen from the dead. He rolled the stone away so that they could see that he's not here anymore. He is alive. He is risen. So what they saw instead of a dead body were grave clothes, the very ones that Jesus had been buried in. They were still wrapped in the shape of his body. Jesus had simply passed right through them and left them behind as evidence that he was alive. They were laying there kind of like, a, like an empty cocoon. Even the napkin that had covered his face was folded carefully and in place by itself. Now, going back to Matthew 28, his face, verse 3, The angel's face we're talking about here. Shone like lightning and his clothing was brilliant white. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be frightened, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. But he isn't here. For he has come back to life again just as he said he would. Come in and see where his body was, was lying. Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and that he is going to Galilee to meet them there. The women ran from the tomb, badly frightened, but also filled with joy and rushed to find the disciples to give them the angel's message. And as they were running, suddenly Jesus was there in front of them. Good morning. What? Heart attack time. Good morning. Are you kidding? I just saw you on a cross. Uh, three days ago what 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 are, what what's this? what do you mean? good morning actually it's a greeting. The Greek words there actually mean grace to you. What Jesus was saying to them was, I know what you're going through, I know the confusion you're facing, but I have grace for you today to strengthen you, to give you power to overcome, and to not be defeated and folks, I want to tell you this Easter Sunday that Jesus Christ is saying grace to you today. Whatever you're facing, he's got the answer for your life because he's alive. And they fell to the ground before him, holding his feet and worshiping him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be frightened. Go and tell my brothers to leave at once for Galilee to meet me there. So what difference does all of this make in your life? What difference does it make 2,000 and, I don't know, 18 years, 10 years, whatever it is, since the day it actually took place? Simply this. What appeared to be the end of everything on Friday turned into the greatest miracle that has ever hit planet Earth by Sunday. And the God that can do that To his son, Jesus can do that to your life, no matter what you're going through in your life today. You may be facing unexpected tragedy, unexpected loss this morning. Today may be Easter Sunday, but it's not a new day. It's not a day of joy for you because of what's going on in your life right now. Maybe you painted a, a smile on your face but the reality is, you're facing the most difficult season your life has ever known. It may be something in your family. A, a looming divorce or a divorce that's already taken place. A rebellious child or rebellious children. Maybe there's abuse going on. Maybe the death of a loved one. Deep depression. Perhaps financial collapse that you're facing. So many things hit us hard in life and they try to knock the wind out of the sail of our hope and of our joy. Or maybe it's your health. I want you to know something, that there is a God who loves you so much he made a way for you to face those issues in life and know that you still have a future and a hope because Jesus is alive. Because if God could raise his own son from the tomb, he can raise new life and put hope within your life that your future is not lost, but it's in his hands and he has you firmly under control. I want to show you a picture this morning. This little girl, her name is Ruth. She is a part of our Spanish outreach ministry, which meets on Sunday afternoons at 1 o'clock. It's called Iglesia Vida. And she and her family are a part of that congregation. They're a part of us, but they meet in the Spanish church. We found out about a month or six weeks ago that little Ruth had a cancerous brain tumor. The prognosis was very, very bad. The doctors went in and they did surgery. A couple of times, complications arose. But this church and its prayer team hit their knees and started seeking the face of God. And this past week, The doctor said, we can't figure it out, but something has happened. This tumor is benign. She's cancer-free today because of the power of the living Jesus that is alive today. The resurrection is God telling us that nothing is impossible with our God. So what makes the difference? It's because Jesus is alive. He's just as alive today as he was when he walked out of that tomb 2,000 years ago, reanimated by the power of the Holy Spirit. His resurrection was God's seal of approval upon his death on the cross that he paid the price, and God accepted that price for your sin and for mine. And now because he lives, all of life has new possibilities, and the future is secure, and that, folks, is no joke. That is no joke. But here's what you've got to understand. If the resurrection is going to mean anything to you, it must become personal to you. This is not about just attending a church. This is about encountering the living Christ. That's what's got to happen. When Jesus rose from the dead, he met those women we read about personally. He told them, To go tell the disciples to meet him in Galilee. He wanted to meet with them personally. In fact, the apostle Paul tells us how Jesus engaged absolutely hundreds of people personally before he went back to heaven. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul wrote, I passed on to you right from the first what had been told to me that Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said he would and that he was buried and that three days afterwards he arose from the grave just as the prophets had foretold. I want you to know this wasn't an obscure event. This was prophesied hundreds of years before it ever happened that Jesus the Messiah would die a sinner's death and be raised to new life by the power of his father. Then Paul goes on to tell us who saw, or the rest, uh, Tell us who saw the resurrected Lord. Verse 5, he has been seen by Peter and later by the rest of the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 Christian brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have, have died by now. Then James saw him and later all the apostles. Last of all, I saw him too, long after the others. Jesus has always made himself known to individuals. He's not just made himself known to spiritual superstars, to the select, to to the special. He makes himself known to everyone who wants to receive him. The Christian faith has never been about religion. Religion is not all bad, but much of it is because it's man made rules. It's man-made attempts to get to God. But mostly religion cannot change your heart. Religion cannot transform your soul, cannot heal the ache. You can do all of the religious deeds that you want and still know that things are not right between you and God. You're still, you've still got the ache inside. You've still got the pain. You've still got the guilt and the burden. What you need is a personal encounter with a living Jesus. That's what Peter had. That's what Paul and Mary had. That's what the disciples and over 500 other brothers and sisters had. They had a personal encounter with the living Christ. If you don't have that, you don't have what it takes to change your life and bring miracles to bear upon your circumstances. But when you have that... The Bible tells us that Jesus will come and he will live within your life and things will begin to change. You're coming under new ownership. Hallelujah. And this is what the Bible promises will happen when Jesus comes to live inside of you. And folks, I want to tell you, this is no joke. Number one, he will forgive your past. Glory to God. I stood down there and cried when he taught, when we sang together about sins forgiven, a past that's been blotted out. When we sang about that this morning, I said, thank you, Jesus, that you've, you've touched me with your grace and with your mercy and not with the judgment that I deserved. Amen. I will tell you this, that my favorite key on the computer keyboard is the delete key. It's because I make so many mistakes. I'm typing along. I'm burn- in fact, I'm so fast on that thing, it starts burning. The, the smoke starts coming up. It's just burning. But every once in a great while, there'll be a mistake in there. And a, oh, delete, delete. Oh, oh, there's a whole line. delete, 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 delete. That's exactly what God does for you. Do you know that everything that you and I have done in our lives is on the computer screen of heaven? It's all known. Nothing is hidden. Nothing. What chance do we have? The chance comes because in Jesus Christ, when we give our lives to Him, God starts hitting the delete key. Delete, delete, delete. Until He looks at the screen and there's nothing there. It's just as if you had never sinned even one time in your life. Give the Lord praise this morning. He forgives your past. Secondly, he will guide your present. Have you ever felt like your life has no purpose, no direction to it? We all have. Jesus will guide you in two ways. First of all, he'll guide you into truth because there's so much error, so much phony, so many hoaxes, so much April Fool's stuff going on out there. You've got to know what is truth to base your life on that truth. He says, I promise I will guide you into truth. But secondly, he says, not only will I make you aware of truth and what's real, I am going to help you to make decisions. I'll guide you with choices that you'll make every day that'll be God-pleasing choices that will bring the blessings of God down upon your life. How many of you want the blessings of God in your life? I want the blessings of God that comes from making right choices in the person of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, he'll secure your future all the way to heaven. You'll never have to worry about what's going to happen to you when you die. Years ago, I, Carrie and I lived across the street from a family. They were maybe 20 years older than, they, than we were at that time. And, and we, we had, tragically, a, f- a family right next to us whose little two-year-old died of sudden infant death syndrome. And it was tragic. And our hearts just went out to the family, and we just grieved as a, as a neighborhood for this family. A, a day or so before the, the funeral, I was talking with this gentleman who lived across the street, this little bit older family, lived across the street from us, and I said, are you going to go to the funeral for a little, I think her name was Abby, are are you going to go to the funeral? He says, no, we don't go to funerals. I said, you don't go to funeral? He said, no, we do not go to funerals. I knew what he was saying. Death scares us so much. We avoid them. We avoid funerals. Because it scares us so much. I'm here to tell you, you can face the end of your life with confidence. And you say, well, Pastor Jim, I don't have to worry about that forever. That's a long way off. But not one of us knows what the rest of this day will bring or what tomorrow will bring or this week or this month. You can go out of here knowing and being confident in the future, knowing that your future is secured in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, the Apostle Paul said, we're not afraid but are quite content to die for then we will be at home with the Lord. I am confident that when I die, I'm going to be at home with the Lord. I just want to ask you, are you... Are you, now, I'm not like so confident that I'm ready to go out and end it right now. I'm here to do what God wants me to do as long as he gives me life. But one of these days, you're going to hear that Pastor Jim is gone, that Pastor Jim has died. I want to I just mention something that I heard Billy Graham. You remember Billy Graham? He died back in February, 99 years of age. What a incredible guy. Uh, I want to just repeat something that he said. He said, one of these days you're gonna hear that Billy Graham has died, but don't you believe it. I will be more alive right then than I have ever, ever been. That's because of Jesus. That's because of Jesus. It gets down to this, who is Jesus to you? That's what really matters. Because if he's nothing more than just a good man, if Jesus was nothing more than a great philosopher of the past, if he was nothing more than the founder of this this religion called Christianity, and that's all he ever was, then we have been hoaxed to the max and we are still in our sins. We're dead in our sins and we're under the judgment of God. But if he is who he, if he really is who he claimed to be. And who hundreds and hundreds of people in this church have found him to be in their lives. Then everything changes. Life can have new meaning because everything becomes brand-new. It all changes, it shifts. This question about who Jesus is is so important that he one time asked his disciples, he said, who are people saying that I am? In Mark chapter eight, verse number 27, who do men say that I am? What's the crowd saying out there? And they answered him and they said, well, some say you're this, some say that. And they, they told him what the crowd reaction was who they said he was. But then he got real personal with them in verse number 29 and he said, but who do you say that I am? And I want to ask you that question this morning. Who is Jesus Christ to you? I am crucified. I am buried. I am alive. The king of glory The king above all kings Who shakes the King of glory, the King of all kings, the King of glory, the King of This is an unfair love that you. as I sing. chaos, back into order, who makes the orphan a son and daughter, the king of glory, the king of glory, who runs the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun.